and I said that um, uh, that's where I started, and I couldn't find anything on Islam in there. And it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, my my copy of this book, uh, I told you that it was kind of the dictionary when it comes to cults or the the encyclopedia. Uh, it has gone through 36 printings, <laughs> which will tell you a little bit about um, <clears throat> the the value that has been placed on this book. But my copy uh, was uh, printed in in 1972. Um, Trip, some of you know Trip, the the guy that gets me in trouble more than once. Um, uh, he had an, a, an edition that was printed in 1985, 13 years later, and it did include something about uh, Islam. Um, there was a four-page little treatment, which is somewhat disappointing, that uh, this 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 work that's, that'll uh, give you 65 pages on Jehovah's Witnesses, but four pages on Islam. But he also goes on to say in there, which which um, I, I, I guess we'll have to disagree, Islam is not a cult, but a major world religion distinctly from Christianity. And, I, and what he's doing is making a different... Oh, in fact, he explains, um, um, uh, only cults were included in this book's original edition, which is what, what I had. So he makes a distinction between a cult and a world religion. I don't make that distinction, but I mean, it, it could be a semantic difference, but just wanted you to know, um, it, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> it did finally work its way into that, that book, but 13 years after the one that I had. Now guys, um, w- one of the things that I want to start with tonight is, um, is a, is a, a piece of, um, oh, I don't know, I guess you could call it theological, but it's probably more philosophical seepage that, that it has taken hold of the Christian church that, that I, I think is just, uh, it's very unfortunate because there is this notion out there that the only religion, um, th- that Christianity is the only uh, system of belief that is uh, that maintains its exclusivity. You know what I mean by that? I mean, um, uh, we, we will say to people that the only way that anybody's ever going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That, that's that's a that's an, a claim to exclusivity. Uh, nobody's going to get mad at you if you uh, promote Christianity as uh, as a religion, as one of the options. But when you say it is the only option, then that that really makes people mad. But the the notion is that Christianity is the only one that does that. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. It's nonsense. Um, Hinduism is exclusive. Um, Buddhism is exclusive, or makes exclusive claims that only it, only it, just like Christianity does. And guys, uh, even a cursory understanding of Islam um, will teach you of the radical exclusivism um, in in Islam. Guys, um, not only is, and we're going to look at this later on, but not only is is Islam um, theologically exclusive. It is linguistically exclusive, uh, and I'll explain more about that when we look at the Quran, which we're going to do tonight. But, you know, according, according to Islam, um, the sole sufficient consummate miracle in Islam is the Quran. And so, not only do you have to have an understanding of Arabic, to be able to um, to to uh, to deal with it, I, I would say to you, you better have a very sophisticated understanding of Arabic to deal with. But we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But here's my point that I, I wanted to get to: this, the um, the the exclusive claims 
and we'll just call it of Christianity versus um, Islam. Ladies and gentlemen, the thing that has crept into the Christian church, I guess it's from the world of philosophy. Um, you, you can call it pluralism. You can call it relativism. I don't know what you want to talk, uh, call it, but the point is only one of these is true. That's what I'm trying to get to. Either Islam is true or Christianity is true or Buddha, but not, the one would... Um, preclude the others because of the exclusive claims that they make. Now, guys, here's the principle that is used in every law court. Um, it's the principle of non-contradiction. Uh, formulaically written, if I can... Um, um, yeah, A cannot equal non-A... Um, in the same way, in the same time, in the same relationship. That's the law of non-contradiction. Do you understand that? <laughs> but how about this? I bet you do understand this. Let's imagine that you um, uh, are out one night walking your dog, and Susie, and you run into me and Susie, um, and we're out walking. And uh, you say um, to my wife, you say, uh, Mrs. Young, I understand that you're going to have a baby. And she immediately says, yes. And I immediately say, no, at the same time. Now, what happens? What's going on? What are you thinking when you hear that? Well, there's several options. Um, uh, the first option is that might not be Mrs. Young. Uh, <laughs> um, the second option might mean um, she hasn't told him anything yet. And we would have a scoop. Um, or the, th the third option might be um, that there is um, a joke going on that you don't understand. But ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what's going on in your mind? The law of non-contradiction. Both of those things, both of those answers to the same question at the same time in the same relationship cannot be true. Only one of them. Is true. That is the same thing that applies, ladies and gentlemen, to the exclusive claims of religious truth. There is a law of non-contradiction, and every courtroom functions based on its precepts, on its tenets. That A cannot equal non-A at the same time, at the same and in the same relationship. So, if you say that Allah is a mono, um, uh, that he exists monotheistically, and Christianity says that God exists in a trinity, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Because of the law of non-contradiction. you got to get that, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm telling you, the Christian church is so blasted fuzzy, when it comes to thinking about truth, not wanting to offend anyone, ladies and gentlemen, just know this. You're not the only one that makes these kind of claims. So does Buddhism. So does Hinduism. And Islam, my goodness, they, they outdo us all. Um, let me say again that for Islam, the, the sole sufficient 
um, um, only necessary miracle that exists in Islam is the existence of the Quran. Now, we're going to talk about the Quran some tonight, and uh, hopefully um, uh, we'll find it helpful. Uh, you understand, of course, that the Quran is considered the verbally inspired, I'll use this term, word of God for, for Islam. It was dictated to Muhammad um, via the angel Gabriel over a period of about 23 years. Um, interestingly, Muhammad um, claimed that the, the Old and New Testament, uh, that is our Old and New Testament, were both from God. In fact, there is a statement. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me give you this first. The um, um, verses are called ayats. Chapters are called surahs. And I, I don't think there's an H on there. Um, so, um, so when, when you when you, when we say um, chapter 19, verse 26, uh, this is their chapter. This is their uh, this is their verse. But there is a verse. In, um, that's not the word they use now, but that's just the word that communicates with us. There is a verse in the Quran <coughs> that reads like this. This is chapter 10, verse 94. If thou wert in doubt as to what we have revealed unto thee, then ask those who have been reading the book, which is a reference to the Bible, uh, Ask those who have been reading the Bible from before thee, the truth hath indeed come to thee from thy Lord, so be in no wise of those in doubt. Now, that is a piece of enormous embarrassment for the Islamic world, because in the Koran, it is a making an appeal if you're questioning what we say, that would be Allah and Muhammad, then check the Bible, <laughs> which is not necessarily something that Islam wants uh, to promote. Now, but very clearly, Islam says that the that the Bible has been corrupted um, by whom they they don't suggest or don't say, but it's been corrupted, and um, <clears throat> what you have in in the Quran is the the uh, something that has supplanted and superseded and is the the final say in um, in all of uh, truth from God. They even call it something. I'm trying to find it in my notes and I can't find it. But uh, the uh, the the fact that we have um, that 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 the that the Quran supplants the Bible, guys. Um, the Bible, the Quran has fundamentally redefine Christian tenets, some of which that I mentioned last week. Um, <clears throat> for instance, in the Quran or in the Bible, God keeps his promises. In the Quran, um, God cancels promises and even contradicts uh, uh, one command earlier with a later command, with a command that comes later. Uh, Christ is the redeemer, uh, is dying some kind of atoning death. Um, does not exist in the Quran. Jesus did not die and rise from the dead. The concept of uh, atonement is totally denied in Islam. Uh, even now, this is not found in the Quran, but it's in the, called hadiths, which is a, um, a Muslim uh, tradition. It says that God uh, has had intercourse with Mary, 
and the result was Jesus. Um, of course, another distinct difference between the Bible and the Quran is the, the separation of church and state that you find in the Bible, whereas in Islam, uh, the, the religion and the state are tightly woven together. And one of the more shocking um, developments in the Quran is its redefinition of heaven. Um, guys, in in the Quran, heaven is nothing more than a an enormous God-owned brothel in the sky, um, a bordello, a house of ill repute. <clears throat> Um, and of course, when you, uh, the, the rumor is um, among us that all the martyrs at 9-11 got 70 virgins that, the, the, the only thing that's wrong about that is the number 70, but they are indeed promised, um, glorious virgins that were waiting on them. Interestingly, I got an email today from somebody that, um, he was making an observation, which he didn't know that is made in everything that I've read in, in this. Everybody who writes about Islam makes this observation about the distinct difference between heaven in the Bible and heaven in in the Quran. And this man was making this observation. I want to read you what he said because it's it's right on line. And um, uh, he just didn't know that others had said it before him. But anyway, he said, the emptiness of Islam is so apparent when the greatest reward their heaven has to offer is receiving 70 virgins upon arrival. How man-made, man-centered is this? I couldn't come up with a better religion if I had to. Who wouldn't want to sign up for that ticket? And what a great recruiting tool for young, indigent, and uneducated fledgling jihadists. Their heaven has nothing to do with meeting Allah or being in his presence or worshiping him. No, that's not near good enough or even desired. They have, they have to have their carnal pleasures met in heaven, which is another paradox. It's as if their motto is practice great restraint and moral strictness on earth so that in heaven you will have all your fleshly desires met. What kind of religion fills their heaven with the sensual and carnal other than a man-made religion? And I, his point is well made. It's one made by all those who are Critics of Islam, um, heaven has been turned into a brothel. Um, and the, the greatest good is an enjoyment of some kind of unlimited uh, sexual pleasure with, 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 a, with a number, with a number of uh, other women. I, you know, it's just, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that ought to be enough for us. That ought to be enough to, to reject it out of hand. But um, we'll we'll say just a tad more. Guys, there are seven different pieces of defense that Islam uses to defend the Koran. I'm only going to give you four of them. First of all, because of time, the other three I, I didn't think made a whole lot of sense. But seven pieces of defense that, that, that are used by um, Islamic theologians, I guess, to defend... The authority of the Koran. One of those is that it came from an illiterate man, and because it came from an illiterate man, that can only be explained, uh, that, that only God could do that. 
Well, let me say to you, ladies and gentlemen, it certainly has come from an illiterate man. I, I don't deny that at all. Um, just the sheer repetition um, that is not, that is, not nauseating. It is, it is numbing. The, the sheer, let me just give you one item. The hell threats that are included in the Quran. Um, by the way, there are, uh, I wrote that down, 6,180, yes, 6,158 verses in the Quran. Um, a hell threat is included 783 times in the Quran. Meaning that a hell threat is found every 7.9 verses in the Quran. So every eight verses, you're going to get a hell threat. I mean, guys, you can go to hell in Islam for a lot of things. Um, you can, if you disobey God, um, if you reject Muhammad's claim to be a prophet, that means every one of you are going to hell. Um, if you question the divine inspiration of the Quran, that, that's, that you're two for two. Um, um, if you refuse to go to battle for Islam, uh, if you retreat from a battle in Islam, all of those things can send you to hell. And there's every eight verses, there is a threat to send you to hell. So every uh, uh, one out of eight verses is a repetition of a hell threat. In the Old Testament of our Bible, a mention of something similar to that is found one in one in every every 774 verses, as opposed to one in eight. In the New Testament, interestingly, it is found in one out of every 120 verses. So just the sheer repetition of saying the same things over and over again um, would impress you that there's something really wrong about this book. <clears throat> interestingly, an Iranian by the name of Ali Dashti, talks about him being an illiterate man. And I, I just picked up a little out of what he said. He said, the Koran, now this is written by an Iranian, and I don't know whether, he, I don't think he's a Muslim, but uh, with a name like Ali Dashti, he better be from Iran. Um, but um, the, the Koran, says he, contains sentences in the Arabic original which are incomplete and unintelligible without commentaries. Foreign words and words used with other than the normal meaning, words inflected without the concord of gender and number, illogically and ungrammatically applied pronouns which sometimes have no referent, and predicates which are rhymed passages are often remote from their subjects, more than a hundred Quranic aberrations from Arabic's normal rules have been noted. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it was written by an ignorant man. And, and it is not a defense of the book. It's to the shame of the book. But in, in um, Islam, that is billed as something that is, um, that is one of the defenses that this book was written by, uh, by an illiterate man. Um, and in several places, um, Mohammed replaces several hundred very needed nouns with frustratingly ambiguous pronouns. I want to read you one verse. 
And to illustrate that point, that is, it's, you know, guys, um, I, I must confess, I have not read it from cover to cover. I, I don't want you to think I have read a lot of it. And if you set it down beside, take the Sermon on the Mount, and set the Sermon on the Mount ne- down next to something that you read out of the Koran, if you don't see the difference, I mean, take a pagan and, and just, if you can't see the difference in these two books, um, I, I just, I'm gambling that you probably can. But I want to read you one of these, these verses. Uh, this is eight, chapter eight, um, did I tell you how many chapters there are? There are, um, 114 chapters. This is in chapter eight, verse 18. This is, this is a verse. It's a short one. If you were seeking a judgment, now has a judgment come to you. If you desist, it will be best for you. First of all, you find the indefinite pronoun you mentioned four times in the same verse. Um, there's no contextual help. Um, it, who is he? Who is he addressing? What was the judgment that he mentioned? Who is it that they should desist? And from what should they desist? None of that is defined. None of that is contextually knowable. But that's the kind of nonsensical, illiterate claims that are made and statements that are made. But may I say to you, that's one of that's one of the seven defenses that the that the Quran that the Islamic world makes of the Quran that it was written by an illiterate man. Consequently, only God could have done that. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, if God can only come up with that, then then um, then we've got other big problems. Uh, let me give you these other three because we've got a couple of we have 12 minutes. Um, um, here, here's another defense. It can only be understood by those who approach it with reverence. Now, obviously, I did not approach it with reverence. Uh, the claim is um, uh, that if because of my failing, I cannot understand it because I did not approach it with reverence. Now, guys, even if I were to find logical flaws and moral indiscretions in it, that's not the Koran's fault. Um, I am to blame. Now, isn't that convenient? To blame all the objections that rise on the reader. It's a, it's a, it's a good gig. It's a, it's a, it's a good little twist there that uh, if you've got any problems with it, it's all your fault because you didn't come with the inadequate amount of reverence when you, when you read the book. Here's the third. The way that, and, and, you know, it's interesting when, when, when the, the, when Christianity gets to, gets ready to defend its scripture, and um, the apologetics that have grown up around it. The difference in the arguments uh, for the Christian Bible versus this is just just, just phenomenal. Uh, third, the way the Koran resonates so beautifully in Arabic evidences divine inspiration. Now, ladies and gentlemen, any poem can make that claim. Uh, no matter how liltingly you read Alice in Wonderland... Alice in Wonderland is still fiction. And even if there is this beautiful Arabic, if you're not a sophisticated student of Arabic, you're never going to get any of it at all. You're going to miss the whole thing. 
and, and I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the average uh, cultural Muslim avoids the thing. Because they can't understand anything that's being said in it. Um, fourthly, the foibles in the Quran are due to the inability of other languages to convey what the Quran expresses in Arabic. I read you those two verses. I read you two out of the Quran, and both of those are English translations. And what they're saying, what Islam is saying, is that due to the inability of the English language to convey what the Quran expresses in Arabic, thus we end up with all of the difficulties and all of the objections that you may have. Now, as opposed to Christianity that has an agency uh, that does nothing but translate the Bible into every language that we can possibly translate it into. We're looking for new languages that we can put the Bible into. And by the way, if it can only be properly understood in Arabic, then it is not a book for the world. Whereas the Christian Bible, we people lose their lives in trying to translate it into these unknown tongues that exist that still exist over the world. But but the Quran is to be left alone. It, it must only be read in the Arabic because its beauty is found in the, in it, in the Arabic, uh, language. Um, those are just four of the, um, the defenses of the, uh, of the Quran that, that Islam puts forth. Now, let me close by telling you just two quick little anecdotes and, and, um, and these you both know about. If you're, if you're my age, you certainly know about it. But do you remember, um, Salman Rushdie's book, Satanic Verses? Um, that was in 1988, ladies and gentlemen. And do you know what that book is all about? The reason, do you know that uh, Islam pronounced a fatwa? You don't know fatwa on your, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know what a fatwa is? That is, that is Islam's permission to, to murder you. Actually, not permission. It's their, it's their charge unto you. I mean, you know, Salman Rushdie went into hiding, um, and he grew all kinds of beards and, and, and he lived in London and had to hide from Islam for, you know, I don't know that he's out yet, but maybe he is, but because Islam had pronounced a fatwa, uh, to go kill Salman Rushdie because of his book, uh, Satanic, um, uh, verses. Do you know what Satanic verses are? There is a, um, the title of the book refers to the so-called satanic verses that are included in the Quran that allows prayers to be made to three pagan Meccan goddesses. Meccan, they came from Mecca. Three pagan Meccan goddesses. There are verses inside the Quran that allow you or promote you praying to pagan goddesses, and they are called satanic verses. And Salman Rushdie wrote a book called Satanic Verses, and, and Islam saw that as an attack upon their, their, their religion, and they pronounced a bounty on the man's head. Now, one other quick thing, and um, i got four minutes. This whole big thing that is happening in Gainesville, Florida with Terry Jones, I think it is, 
Um, guys, um, that's stupid. Um, burn a Koran day, you know, um, and then, um, you know, they flew him to New York and they met with the, whatever, the imam and yada, yada, yada. And then he ended up um, burning one. He, he, he wasn't going to burn, there wasn't going to be a bunch of them burned, but he burned one about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, he burned one recently. <clears throat> and uh, all the the, uh, the attacks that were leveled and the, the, the demonstrations all around the world about Terry Jones burning a Koran. Did you read about that, didn't you? I mean, you look at me with these blank stares. I mean, you you know who this nincompope is um, in in Gainesville that did that. I mean, um, you know, now they're getting bomb threats, and you know, this, everybody's left the church except his family, and you know, yada yada yada. Okay, that's the story. Gosh, that's a ma- you people need to get out more. <laughs> um, here's my point, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what if? Christianity were to kill people every time somebody said a bad thing about their our book. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, they have been trying to destroy this this book for what? Um, <laughs> ever since it came into existence, and they're still trying. And you, I think you know the story about Voltaire, uh, who said one of his determined goals was he was going to stamp out belief in this book. And, you know, I, I think it was Voltaire <coughs> who said that uh, he would he would love to see every king strangled with the entrails of every priest. He's kind of an angry boy. but uh, um, And then they are suggesting now that in the very place where Voltaire lived in Paris is owned by the uh, the French Bible Society and it's printing Bibles galore uh, at, in the very spot where he said he was going to... But ladies and gentlemen, what if Christians... You know, to, to say that Christianity... What, what is it that causes so much hatred that you see on display all around the world in 9-11, and you see it uh, with Terry Jones, and you see it with Salman Rushdie. What is it that causes that? The Koran. That's what causes it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, You know, I, I don't think any of you are seriously investigating Islam. I mean, I, I hope you don't. But, um, but ladies and gentlemen, you have heard enough just practical theology. That is, the, what, what he's done to heaven. And, uh, and the, the hatred that it spawns. That ought to be enough to tell you that what you're dealing with is something that at the core is wicked and devilish. And it has a plan to dominate the world. Our Father, I do pray that you would uh, arm your people with a sense of just a little bit of uh, information so that we can um, speak to a culture that, first of all, doesn't acknowledge that truth exists, and um, and then equates all world religions as being equally good. And um, and we just have another covered dish supper. 
Forgive us, O God, and might the voice of the church be very um, clear and very urgent in her um, presentation of a beautiful gospel of grace, a a gospel of sovereign grace, which is um, the only hope that any of us as individuals have and the only hope that this world has. We, uh, we ask all of this, of course, in Jesus' name and for his sake.